Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Who do you think was the smartest man in all of America's history? Wow. Well, a tough question, because nearly all of our founding fathers spoke several languages. <laughs> Good grief, they, they founded colleges, started hospitals, and, and when they wrote books, <laughs> they'd make you want to cross your eyes just trying to glimpse a tiny part of their understanding. So, who was the smartest? Well, consider what President John F. Kennedy said one day when sitting with his cabinet members in the White House. He beamed as he admired those great men sitting around him. Then he said, There has never been such an abundance of intelligence in this room, with the possible exception of when Thomas Jefferson dined alone. <laughs> we all know that Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. The wording he used is truly a monument to the art of putting ideas on paper. That document was not only the world's best hope, as some historians have claimed, but, but it was also a death warrant for everyone who signed it. That document officially made them traitors to the crown, and every single signer was instantly a fugitive fighting for his life. Now, they all knew this, and for most of those signers, the worst-case scenario actually became their reality. Watch for my stories about the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Disasters happened to nearly all of them as a direct result of signing the Declaration of Independence. Now, when Thomas Jefferson signed, he actually caused the killing of his young wife and daughter. You see, a few months later, the British Army came right to Monticello, his home, to, to arrest him. Well, he wasn't there. And his wife, she escaped into the woods carrying their little daughter. It was awfully cold, and both of them died as a result of their exposure to the cold that night. Of course, he knew the risks when he wrote and then signed that document, but he signed it anyway. Most folks know that Thomas Jefferson was the president who sent Lewis and Clark on their journey out west, but they don't know about the danger and timing of that decision. Jefferson was doing a very dangerous and illegal thing. Illegal as in using our army to invade a foreign nation? That's what he was planning. It was against international law. And yes, the West at that time was owned by France, and to make things even more uh, interesting, France was run by the very unpredictable Napoleon. By all accounts, it was going to be an act of war, but Jefferson was determined and went ahead with his plans. Actually, the Lewis and Clark expedition was not his first effort at finding out about the West. Before he became the President of the United States, he had personally paid for three expeditions of his own. Well, not his own. He, he never went anywhere. He hired men to go West and report back to him what they found. Well, they all turned back before they hardly even got started. At the time of Lewis and Clark, he was already working on Napoleon. He'd been President for three years and, well... You, you see, most of our produce was generated in the West. It had to go down the Mississippi River through the port of New Orleans to be sold. And we were afraid that Napoleon would close the port to us. He owned it, you see. Well, that would stop a very large portion of our economy. Jefferson sent a delegation to France to try to buy New Orleans from Napoleon. Now, the lead man in that delegation was a uh, Robert Livingston, and we don't remember him, but the other man... He was none other than James Monroe, 
who went on to become one of our presidents. Well, now Jefferson had authorized them to pay up to $10 million for the port of New Orleans, for that city. Well, outpost <laughs> that time. They were just flabbergasted when Napoleon offered to not only sell them New Orleans, but all of the Louisiana Territory for just $15 million. Well, that was just $5 million more than they were authorized to spend, but they instantly saw the bargain for what it was. They signed in April, and the document reached Jefferson in July. Now, Jefferson started Meriwether Lewis the previous year in outfitting for the expedition. Congress was afraid of irritating Napoleon, so they would not allow the expedition unless it was for scientific purposes only. Jefferson went even further. He sent both Lewis and his partner to every botany, astronomy, biology, and other type of scientist he could find to give them cram courses, <laughs> plus a whole list of scientific things that they were to do along the route. It was to be the most ambitious scientific expedition the world had ever seen. Jefferson called it the Corps of Discovery. Well, in July, when Jefferson got word that the whole area was ours if Congress were to ratify, well, Lewis and Clark were in St. Louis and ready to embark. <laughs> Jefferson was really concerned and said that the Constitution did not allow for him to simply go out and buy land for our nation. Well, he was really torn up about the legality of doing it. He was so concerned about it that he delayed making a decision for, for nearly a full second <laughs> he simply turned that purchase into a treaty that he was empowered to act in under the Constitution, and he talked Congress into ratifying it. Then he sent a frantic rider to catch the expedition before it left and gave it brand new orders. Lewis and Clark were instantly promoted to the rank of ambassador to everyone in the new land, especially the Indian nations. Their job was to create friendly relations with all of them. Yep. Thomas Jefferson was not only extremely intelligent, but he was a very gutsy guy, too. Well, actually, I think he may have had a little help from Heavenly Father in this doubling of our size nationally. He already had a pretty good relationship with God, and I've got no doubt that he was going to do what God told him rather than anything else. Uh, be sure and listen to my story about this letter of his to the Danbury Baptist Church. He, in that letter, he gives a beautiful explanation of the true constitutional relationship between church and state. <laughs> yeah, he, he knew and loved God. Even being able to buy all that land for less than three cents an acre, even that would not have swayed him if God had told him no. But since God said yes, wow, <laughs> he pulled out all the stops. And those Lewis and Clark boys just got the biggest breaks of their lifetime, from illegal explorers to, to formal United States ambassadors in, in just about two shakes. <laughs> well, I'd like to take some time and talk about the latest scientific gadgets that were given to them for the expedition. Now, some were truly amazing, like their 55-foot folding keelboat, Yipper, it'd fold right up for packing on land. It worked great. It would carry tons and tons of their gear. Another innovation was their food. Well, it was actually their emergency food. It was a special kind of soup that used beef and vegetables and such. They boiled it down until it was very much like today's dehydrated foods. <laughs> they didn't like it very much, but it was nutritious, and it saved their lives on several occasions. And it didn't go bad. It's kind of like jerky today. It just seemed to live forever. Well, uh, but my personal favorite item they had was their air gun. It looked for all the world like a regular flintlock. 
but it required no gunpowder. It was mostly for show because it was a big medicine with the Indians. Wow, no bang and no smoke, and they could shoot a big boar, 46 caliber lead ball, and it'd bring down a buffalo. It was called a Girondani. That's because of the Girondani firm that built them all for the Austrian army. And it'd shoot up to 22 times per air charge. The round 46 caliber lead ball bullets, they were kept in a tube right under the barrel. And when you shot, you just lifted the barrel so the next ball would roll into the breech. Then you closed the breech and shot again. You could shoot almost as fast as a modern bolt-action rifle. Now, these were not all the brainchild of Thomas Jefferson. But the fact that he was aware of them and their significance tells us a lot about him. <laughs> well, yes, I do believe he was, and maybe still is, the smartest man to ever live in America. Hey, well, thanks for listening, folks. Until next time, remember, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry.